bring everyone, I'm going to invite everyone to stand to worship with us.
By the word of your 
Exalt him this morning. He is exalted, King is exalted on high, and I will praise him. He is exalted forever, exalted.
exalted, the King is exalted on high. And I will praise Him, He is exalted, forever exalted. And I will praise His The King is exalted on The King is exalted on high. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. If you will, open your Bibles, as, as Dustin said, to Daniel chapter 6. We're in a series called When in Babylon. And what we're doing is we're looking at the life, the character of this man named Daniel. Daniel's a rock star in my book. If you consider his whole life, he was taken captive as a young man, a little Israelite, and at 15 to 20 years of age, he was exiled 500 plus miles away from home to this place called Babylon. He'll be there for about 72 years. And so this book of, of Daniel covers about 72 years worth of history, and what we're looking at in this is just his character, how he handled himself as a captive in Babylon in an area that was not, not uh, conducive for Christianity, or if you will, for those that wanted to follow God and honor God. It was a pagan nation. And what we've been looking at is drawing some comparisons between where we're at today and the world that we live in as a Christian nation, but how many of you would agree that it's getting more difficult as a follower of Christ in even the United States of America? We've got a society that feels like they're kind of against God. It's not conducive. I mean, you want to stand up and declare your faith in God. It's not like it used to be 50 years ago. Um, and so we're looking at what it looks like to live in a culture, in an environment uh, that's different than what uh, we would hope to, to experience. And so Daniel gives us a great example of that. And so the first week we looked at taking a stand. And now Daniel, when he was taken captive, there's a lot of things that happened in his life that he didn't make a stand. He didn't make a big fuss about. He just let them happen. But what we learned was whenever it contradicted God's word, it violated God's word for him, that's when he took a stand. And what we shared that first week was we as Christians need to know that not everything is a battle. We should choose our battles. We, we should know when to take a stand. And the second week, we were looking at making an impact and what an impact he made on the people around him, on a king, when he interpreted a dream. Um, we talked about how we as followers of Christ are also to make an impact, even though we're in a culture that's not friendly to our faith, that we're still the salt and we're still the light. Oh, there was your opportunity, church, and you blew it. I mean, we are. We're the salt and we're the light. We're to have influence and impact on culture around us. And we see that that happened in Daniel's life. And so today, the title of the message is Don't Quit on God. 
Let me tell you what I value, what I've always loved, is when you meet people and you watch their faith. And you don't watch it just in a season or just a small moment of time, but you see it collectively over a period of time or a long time. Maybe you're a kid and you saw this one person, you watched them grow up and they're elderly and you're like, wow, these guys are just rock stars. Their faithfulness to God. And they may go through some difficult things in life, but it's just something impressive and encouraging to see people live out their faith, and they're faithful to God no matter what. And that's what we see in the life of Daniel in chapter 6, is his faithfulness to God. Now, I would like you to know his faithfulness to God was not just in chapter 6, but it's all the way back to when he was first taken captive into Babylon. So if you're with me in chapter 6, we're now 539 B.C., Uh, This is several years later from 605 B.C. when they were taken into captive. And so now a new king is in charge. So we started with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel found his way up through the ranks and found favor and was highly favored under that king. He was also favored and put into a high position under another king called Belshazzar. And chapter 6 is following Belshazzar. Now the end of Belshazzar's reign is the end of the Babylonian uh, empire. That's the the Nebuchadnezzar and those guys. The golden head on the statue, if you were paying attention last week. So next is the silver chest on that statue of the dream that Daniel interpreted. And that's the Medes and the Persians. And so now Darius, this Mede, new king, comes in, conquers uh, the 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 Babylonians. And now he's in control. And it says in verse 1, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. It's a big kingdom. And he wants to divide it up, and it says he appointed an officer to rule over each province, so 120 officers. It says, then king also chose Daniel and two others, that's three, um, as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So once again, Daniel finds him in a place of influence. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the King James says, he, he had an excellent spirit within him. It says the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And so now at Daniel's at 80, about 83 years old, okay? So in chapter 1, we looked at it in the first week, he's 15 to 20. And now we're fast-forwarding his life. If you're watching a, a videotape, fast-forward to 83 years of age, and we still see old faithful Daniel. And now there's a new king in charge, and he's decided he's going to divide things up, and he's put Daniel in a very high place of authority. There's a few observations that I want to make to you today in the text on Faithfulness, Because here's the thing, we're going to see that Daniel was faithful. And you need to know this, how many would agree God is faithful? God is faithful, but he's calling us also to be faithful. In fact, this Daniel chapter 6, I don't think, it, it, I don't think of it as a test of Daniel's faith. I see it more like a test of his faithfulness, his faithfulness to God. And, and so the first thing I want you to know is being faithful to God will get you noticed. Being faithful to God will get you noticed. It says because of Daniel's great ability. They recognized Daniel's great ability. It says a great spirit was found in him, an excellent spirit. And if you break that down in the Hebrew, it, Hebrew it means highly unusual. So Daniel, out of all of these people, was highly unusual. He just rose to the top. The cream always rises to the top. His faithfulness to God caused other people to take notice. The same thing is true in our lives. When we're faithful to God, people just know that, don't they? They recognize our faithfulness to God. They're like, man, that person's a believer. They're not ashamed of Christ, and you can just tell it in their walk, their talk, the way they conduct their business, in school, and all these other things. So being faithful to God will get you noticed. And it should, because we're the salt, and we're the light, and we're to be influential in our culture. 
And we know that Daniel's faithfulness caused him to be noticed, not only by King Darius, but also by a few people that are a little jealous of Daniel's position. It says in verse 4, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Imagine that. 50 plus years of service to pagan kings, 50 years of public service, there was not one skeleton in Daniel's closet. You know that's why we don't run for office today? Mm-mm, I don't want you to find out what I did when I was younger. A lot of our officials today, right, that's the first thing that you do. This research goes out, and you're trying to find any kind of dirt you can on someone. It's cool that Daniel, it says they looked for a reason to find fault in him, and they couldn't. He was squeaky clean. But notice that they couldn't find fault in him. It says, so they they knew that the only way that they were going to catch him was in accordance to the rules of his religion. So they said, he was faithful. Say faithful. Because you're going to see this word like three times in the text. And we'll say it every time. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. The only way we're going to bust this guy is because he's so faithful to God, we're going to have to use that against him. And so the second observation I want you to to know is being faithful to God will bring out the haters. Amen. So in this case, it brought out the haters. They didn't like it. Now, here's here's some kind of background. They, They thought that there were some people that were cheating, kind of money under the table, and the king is over all this land, but you can't keep control of everyone. And so they thought there were some kind of backdoor deals going on. And so the king divides it up into 120 provinces, puts officials over them, and then Daniel and two others over them so that they could protect the king's interest. And so when you're in that kind of an environment and you've got a character like Daniel has got and your goodness and your, your uprightness is shining on there and, and, and revealing their wickedness, how many know they're not going to like Daniel for very long? You know, it's the same thing is true in our life. Whenever you're living your life in a way that pleases God and you're trying to just live faithfully and your clean life or your, your, your uprightness in your life, your character is kind of an offense or a rebuke to those around you. In fact, I remember um, some of the kids in school, they would always try to get me to, to just jump in with them to do things. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I gave in many times. I'm not proud of that. But there are a lot of times they try to get you to get into the dirt with them so that they can not no longer feel guilty that you're not doing it and they are. Does that make sense? And so when you take a stand for God, when you are faithful to God, it will also bring out the haters. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's in your, your community. Maybe it's in the family. You get people that are just like, man, they make me sick. They're always doing this and that, and they think they're better than us, and it can bring out the haters. It did indeed bring out the haters for Daniel. And so here's what they did, verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. That's a great way to walk into a room and talk to a king. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that, we, uh, that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Something you need to know about the Demary, uh, the, 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 whatever those people are. The Medes and the Persians, King Darius. Their culture, if a king signed something, even the king couldn't change it. It was binding. 
And, and so they said, sign this decree that nobody can pray to anybody but you, King Darius, for the next 30 days. And the king signed it. So here's something else that you need to know about faithfulness. Faithfulness to God is tested in trials. Now we understand the concept of our faith being tested in trials. How many of you have went through a trial or two in your life? God can use that to test our faith. It says the testing of our faith will prove that we are genuine. I mean, we'll read that passage in a few moments, but I believe that God also tests our faithfulness. How are we tested in our faithfulness? Well, you're rocking along there. You're living for God. You're trying to honor him, and maybe you're in, in school, and you're doing great, and then you find a new group of friends. And the new group of friends start dogging you out because of your faith, and they start making fun of you, and, and, and then they're just kind of riding you. And then you start to feel the temptation to not be so out there with your faith and your faithfulness. And you're thinking, hmm, peer pressure is getting to me. Have you ever faced peer pressure? Another way that we can be tested is in money and fame. I mean, we pray God bless us, make us successful, and then we get all the money, we get very successful, and we can be tempted in those times to rely more on that and to be less faithful to God, that's just another way that we can be tested. Fatal attractions, sins. I want to be faithful to God, but there's so many sins around us, and when I give into those sins, I'm not faithful to God. And persecution, many people's like, I want to honor God, and I'm honoring God, and then the first time they go through something difficult in life, they're like, I'm done with God. I mean, I prayed to him, he didn't come through for me, and so I tried the church thing out, I'm over it. Persecution can cause people to not be faithful to God. And here's one of my favorites, church can even sometimes do a lot of damage in that department, can't they? How many of you have ever been hurt by church? And so you go to a church and things are great and all of a sudden something is said or done that hurts you deeply and you're like, you know what, I'll never go to church again. They hurt me. And so that hurt causes you to not be faithful to God. I believe that sometimes God tests our faith but sometimes he also tests our faithfulness as he did in Daniel chapter six. He's testing his faithfulness. What will Daniel do? There's a decree. What would I do? What would you do? What would we do today if the government signed a law and said that it is illegal to open your Bible or it's illegal for the next 30 days to attend church? You know, I'd be like, oh, we can go online. It's all right. It's all good. We'd be cool, right? You know, Daniel could have said, you know what? For the next 30 days, I've been so faithful to God all my life. 30 days is not going to be a big deal. God will understand. And he could have just said, you know what, I'm not going to pray for the next 30 days because the king said, and you know, the Bible says we're supposed to honor the kings and those in authority over us, yada, yada, yada. He could have easily just taken that route, but he didn't. He could have said, you know what, I'm used to praying all the time, and so what I'm going to do is instead of praying at the regular times, I'm going to break it up and I'm going to pray when they're not expecting me to pray so they won't find me, they won't see me. He could have closed the window. If you read on, you see some of the things that he did in his prayer life. He could have changed a lot of things, but Daniel didn't. He remained faithful to God even in the midst of a trial. Even when the heat got turned up, Daniel didn't quit on God. That's what we're talking about him today, amen? So let's look at what he did. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, this is verse 10, when he learned that the law had been signed, he got on Facebook and he started ranting about it to everybody. Well, they didn't have Facebook back then. Maybe it was MySpace. But he, I mean, he, he, the point is, is he didn't do that. He didn't get a coalition of guys. And we've got to do something, man. Our necks are on the line. We're going to go to the, the den of lions. Let's do. He didn't do that. It says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. And listen to this. He knelt down as usual. So he had this habit of prayer, this habit of faithfulness to God in prayer, and he went home as usual. There's a few things here I want us to see about his prayer life. Um, Number one is he knelt down. That's humility. 
Say, God, this is bigger than I am, and I humble myself. You're the one in control. I'm not, and we really need you. If you don't show up, we're going to be in big trouble, right? So he knelt down as usual. It says in his upstairs room. I believe that was private because it was the, the bottom common part of the home, and he went upstairs. That was his prayer room. You know, there's times that we should pray publicly, but there's more times that we need to be on our knees in our closets praying, and the Father who hears us in secret will reward us openly. Amen? He prayed upstairs, and I like this one. He prayed with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Now, if you don't dig and, and kind of find some context here, you'll, be, you just, you'll miss this. But in Second Chronicles, when Solomon built the temple, it was the first beautiful temple that was built by Solomon. And he prays this long prayer of dedication. Now, we know the response to the prayer. We, we know this word, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You know that verse, right? So we, before that, Solomon prays this long prayer to God. And he's dedicating the temple. And he said, this is the place that, we, that we're going to come to. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to meet you here. It's your temple. It's a special place to us. Now, in the future, whenever the, the, the drought comes and when there are no crops, if your people will just turn toward the temple and pray, would you give them rain? If there's enemies that are, that are bothering them, if your people will pray towards the temple, he later goes on to say, if your people are ever exiled, hello, Daniel's exiled. He says, and then while they're there in a captive land, if they face Jerusalem, they turn toward the temple, hear their prayers from there. So you see this idea that Daniel knew his scripture. He knew what was promised and what was said there. And like a good, faithful Jewish boy, as a captive, goes upstairs, prays, opens the windows. Where? Towards Jerusalem. What happened in Jerusalem? That's where the sacrifices were at. That's where they killed animals to atone for sins. And for us, it's the cross of Christ, right? It's like when we pray with our hearts directed toward what was done on our behalf, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe there's power in that. So Daniel prays with his windows toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. That's consistency. I have to admit, I don't always do that. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks. He gave thanks. I think thanksgiving and prayer go hand in hand. Amen? So that's just a little side thing there as you look at what he did, his response. But the point is, he didn't quit on God. He was faithful to God. And I believe that's a great example for you and me today in our own culture, like Babylon, in a culture that's unfriendly to our Christian faith, to, to know when to take a stand, to, to make an impact, and to not quit on God whenever it gets kind of tight and tough. Daniel remained faithful to God. I like this, so the king's in a pickle. <clears throat> and knowing that he had signed a decree that couldn't be changed, it says that when they came to him, they said, okay, by the way, it was Daniel that did this. It said he was deeply moved. He was sad because he liked Daniel. He did not want Daniel to be in that position, but his hands were tied. There was nothing he could do, humanly speaking. And here's the, here's the encouraging thing there. While it may be humanly impossible, nothing is possible or impossible with God, Right? So the king's hands were tied, and he says, Daniel, listen to this, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, say faithfully, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I can't keep you from the den of lions, but may the God that you serve so faithfully and have served so faithfully your whole life, may he rescue you. It says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. 
Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, I think it was really early, the king was anxious. He wanted to check on Daniel. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You throw a man into a den of lions. Very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully, there it is again, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Now, I heard another guy say this, and I think it's cool. If I were writing the script for the movie about this, I would have a long pregnant pause right there just to freak the king out a little bit. Daniel, was the God that you serve so faithfully able to save you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they could not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. I didn't go against you. I just stood for my convictions. And I was faithful to God. I did you no harm, king. Right? The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Let me just say this. The, there are some um, liberal scholars who will try to explain away the miracles of the Bible. And they'll say uh, that the lions weren't even hungry. Now, they weren't really hungry at that moment. Really? It says the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted God. In fact, it's in Hebrews, the great faith chapter, Daniel's faith. Kept the mouth of the lions shut. And the king gave orders to arrest the man who had maliciously accused Daniel. I like this. We always love these kind of stories, don't we? The ones that need it, get it. You know, the ones that need to be found innocent or vindicated. And that's the way it should be, right? So the ones that were accusing Daniel and they were lying and they were deceiving the king. It says the king ordered them to be bound and they were thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. It says the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. I think they were very hungry. But therein lies the miracle of Daniel in the lion's den. God shut the mouth of the lions. Then King Darius sent this message. Let me, let me back up, verse 24. It's interesting that all of the guilty were punished and one man was innocent. Flip that around and you see the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? For all of the guilty and one person took our place and died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? But in this case, in this story, it's like we think it needs to be the guilty are punished Daniel's vindicated. He says, the King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. This is a pagan king. Hey, you need to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He, he rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And here's another um, observation that I want you to get from the text is faithfulness to God is a visible testimony to others. In the case of Daniel, his faithfulness to God was a visible testimony to the king and to everybody else that was there wondering what was going to become of Daniel and the lion's den. And I want you to know the same thing is true for you and me, is our faithfulness to God is a visible testimony to other people. I've watched people throughout my whole life that have been faithful to God. And as I said earlier, faithful in seasons, I mean, anybody can do that. But when the going gets tough, they don't quit on God. And you see people walk through cancer, 
to the loss of a child, the loss of a, uh, of a spouse, some horrific things on this earth, and you watch them just stay steady and faithful to God the whole time. There's something admirable about that. There's a huge, powerful witness to me when I see that. I'm sure the same thing is true of you too. So you, you and I need to know that when we're faithful to God, it is a visible testimony to other people. They look at your life and they say, there must be something supernatural about them going on right now for them to be able to handle what they're walking through. Even in those moments, we are the salt, we're the light, we're influencing those around us. So faithfulness to God is a visible testimony to others. And then lastly, faith, faithfulness to God is rewarded by God. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So the next two kings, Daniel prospered again. So throughout his whole life, he found a way to rise to the top because he honored God. He was faithful to God. And I do believe with all my heart that faithfulness to God is rewarded by God. You may say, Shane, that just does not compute in my brain. Because I know many faithful people who have gone through some horrendous things in life. And, you know, there's this book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It didn't work too well for them. You think, well, they were faithful to God and they died at a stake in a coliseum, burned at a stake, or lions were turned out on them. That was the entertainment back in the day to persecute Christians that way. Using people as human torches. There are many people that experience some very difficult things in life. But here's where I think that we miss this. We look to here and now. We look to this life. And we want to see our rewards now. That's just the way we're wired, right? But as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the Toy Story part where Forgive me for this, but, you know, Woody and Buzz are getting reconciled to Andy. And they're flying through the air. And they just got to get back to the truck where the rest of the toys are at. And Buzz says, I think it, I think it was Andy. No, what was his name? Woody. Woody says, hey, we missed the truck. And Buzz says, we ain't aiming for the truck. They were trying to hit the car where the kid's at. I said that to say this. We're not aiming for this life here now. This world's not our own. We're foreigners, we're aliens, like exiles in a foreign land. This world is not our own. We don't look for the reward here and now. Yeah, sure, we may experience some of that, but our reward is one day, one day, at the end of life, when we stand before Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear so bad, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen to Peter, um, what he says. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. We're going to endure some trials from time to time. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory. Listen to this. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. When? When Jesus returns. And so the motivation is not, well, what can I get from it now? I mean, faithful to God, and I want to see some fruit from that faithfulness. But our goal and our aim should be one day as we stand before him. Say, God, my life, I lived it for you and faithfulness to you, and I experienced some hardships, but I trusted you through it. I walked through some difficult things, but I tried to model what faithfulness looked like for my kids and my church family and my work people, and I just honored you. And one day as we stand before him, I, I really think that, Everything that we experience on this earth will become so minimal at that moment when we hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. At that moment in time, it'll all be worth it, won't it? So my challenge to you as we consider when in Babylon, in our culture today too, is like week one, take a stand. Week two, make an impact. And today, don't quit on God. 
God is a faithful God, and he's calling us to live lives of faithfulness. Psalm 37, verses 28 and 29 say, For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake, he will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Proverbs 2, verses 7 and 8 said, He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. God honors and rewards faithfulness. You know, I was thinking about our tendency to wander. We get distracted easily, don't we? We see the shiny, we see the things of this life and this, this world, and they kind of get our attention sometimes. And if we're not careful, they can become stumbling blocks to keep us from being faithful in our walk with God as well. There's an old hymn that we used to sing called Count, or Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, we're human, and uh, no one's perfect. There's only about three of them, I think Adam and Eve, for just a brief moment before the fall, and Jesus his whole life. Other than that, there's nobody on this earth that's perfect. So we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. We're going to drop the ball. But I think for us to recognize our tendency to wander in our faithfulness and um, just to remind us that God's calling us to a life of faithfulness and his mercy is new every morning. That's so encouraging, isn't it? To know that even though I blew it yesterday, I can start again today. God, I want to be faithful to you. I know that, that you reward that. I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to put the spotlight on me. It's going to make me recognized in my community, in my school, my family in the workplace, I realize it's going to bring out the haters and let me just continue to live my life consistently faithful to you. And I know that sometimes I'm going to be tested in that faithfulness, so help me to not be tempted with the lure of money and fame and, 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 and the sins or church hurt or um, all the other persecution, the things that could draw me away from my faithfulness. Help me to not take the bait, but Lord, just to remain faithful to you as Daniel remained faithful to you. And so like he in Babylon, we went in Babylon don't quit on God. God's faithful, and he's calling us to faithfulness as well. How about you? How's your life? You know, I love and, and, and am comforted by the grace of God, but maybe you're here today, and you're like, man, Shane, I've got some stuff going on in my life that I really need to run away from. I need to turn from and trust God in and just remain faithful to him during this season, during this time. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you. Man, God is a, a forgiving, loving God, and we'll dismiss in a moment. And when we dismiss, if you need to come forward for prayer, I would encourage that. If you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ, the most important thing you can do, I would encourage you also to respond that way. However the Lord leads you, I would ask that you would respond today. Would you stand with me as we pray and we're dismissed? Father, I thank you for your examples in Scripture over and over and over, we see great examples uh, that we can pattern our lives after. Lord, just to see Daniel's life, the entirety of his life, from a young age to a ripe old age, I can imagine at the year, uh, in 80 years of age, being thrown into a den of lions. But Lord, we have that story as an example for us to just show his faith in you and 
how you miraculously saved him, but his faithfulness to you. And Father, I think that's the, 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 the thing for us today to get a hold of is the need for faithfulness. Lord, we live in a culture that is becoming more and more against your ways. Uh, seems like it's even violent in some cases, threatening to our way of life as we, as followers of Christ, know it. And the temptation is in those times to just pull back uh, or to give in to some of those demands and to just um, pull back from our faithfulness to you. And I pray, God, that as we look at Daniel's life, we'll be encouraged and reminded to stay the course, to don't quit on you because you're faithful. And we know that we're not doing it for this life now. God, we know that uh, we're not expecting the reward tomorrow. I mean, if we do, we're short-sighted. But, Father, we're looking to eternity and we know that one day this life is going to be over. It is so fragile. James says it's like a breath, a puff of air. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. Life is so fragile. And when that life is over, you said that we will stand before you in judgment. And I pray, God, that when we do, that we stand, Lord, recognizing the many times that we blew it, but also stand in a confidence saying, you know what? I didn't quit on God. I stayed faithful to the end. And to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, Holy Spirit, that you would convict in the areas where we personally need to apply this. Maybe it's in the business, maybe it's in school or work or in a marriage relationship or the family in general. God, that we would see the importance of taking a stand for you, making an impact in our culture around us and not quitting on you when the going gets tough. Father, for those uh, those that are here today that have not placed their faith in you, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you for salvation. Lord, we know that there's nothing that we could ever do to earn forgiveness from you. Lord, it's done for us on the cross. That's the good news. And God, I pray that today that they would trust in you for salvation. They can have the same hope of one day seeing you face to face. And Lord, in the, in the interim, while we wait for your return, we ask that you would just help us to be a faithful people. Lord, we're prone to wander. Father, make us, uh, make us faithful in our walk, and our conduct, and our speech, and our spiritual disciplines, and our fellowship, and every area, Lord, that we would remain faithful to you no matter what, that we would not quit on you. I ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.